Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 177, and I am your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. You know, friends, my goal with every podcast is to help you become the parent you want to be, not the parent I think you should be, but the parent you want to be. And that's why I find child and adolescent experts around the country that will help you understand your kids and why they do what they do. Well, today we're going to be talking about teenagers and dating. And I have two great guests, Tavares and Safa Gray. Tavares is the founder of Godly Dating 101, and together their mission is to teach single and married believers how to be godly spouses while promoting purity and chivalry while dating. So let's get to my conversation now with Tavares and Safa Gray. Well, we have a great show today, and my guests are Safa and Tavares Gray, and we're going to be talking about dating, so thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Yes, it's good to be here. Yeah. You know, um, I love this topic. I'm a mother of grown kids, and I have grandkids, of course, and it's always hard for parents to to help their kids, well, not really kids, but teenagers and young adults. Um, navigating this dating world, navigate this dating world, because it's so hard and so confusing for kids. It's almost like dating doesn't exist anymore. Kids just meet, they hook up, they leave. And so let's back up and talk about what godly dating is. So a lot of people have even um, tried to debate with us saying, you know, dating isn't biblical. And I'm I'm like, well, you're right. But, you know, we go from the concept of, I guess that you can, some call it courting. So the desire and the idea behind what we do is we know people are going to date. No one is doing the arranged marriages like that anymore. But no. yep. our goal is that we're visiting dating through biblical principles, that we're not trying to be a part of hookup culture and friends with benefits and one night stands and all those things. But how do we approach them in a godly manner? maintain a godly relationship that flourishes in the marriage and if it doesn't work out how to still maintain integrity and boundaries with your brother and sister in christ right so let me ask you a question how long uh, have, have you guys been married and tell me about your dating december makes six years yeah we've been married six years now time flies and uh we were friends since 2010 we didn't start dating until 2015 we were very good friends before then uh, we did try to date, I want to say 2011 for two months, not even date. It was more of like a talking to see if this would work and yeah. eh, we just let it go. It just wasn't the right time. And so we we remained friends, very good friends from then. And I think building that friendship, that foundation, it carried into, it blossomed into something beautiful. And we started dating in 2015. It was a long distance dating relationship as Tavares was in the military and I was right. here in Tampa going to the University of South Florida. So I was pursuing a degree and um, that was difficult. But even in that, maintaining those godly standards of um, relationship in general, you know, being cognizant and just respectful of each other and, you know, the boundaries. Boundaries was a big thing, you know. Um, just making sure that we set right boundaries based on biblical standards, you know, guarding your heart, hiding God's word in our hearts so that we won't sin against him, fleeing the very appearance of evil. If it looks evil, you know, set, uh, be careful of how we're dressing, uh, even when we're in, on FaceTime together, certain things like that so that the, the other person doesn't fall. Just kind of building that 
healthy relationship through boundaries and things like that in our dating relationship really helped us get to a place of it just having a godly relationship and a godly dating relationship before getting married. So when you first met, when the two of you met, I assume you both grew up in Christian homes. Yes, Yes. we did. Correct. So when you approached dating or being friends, it was important for each of you to find somebody who had similar faith, similar values, because that probably made it a lot easier because when you talk about, you know, godly values and setting boundaries, it's going to be tough for one if the other person person doesn't have a faith. So is it important when a person of faith goes to, or Christian, goes to date somebody that they only date somebody who has a strong faith, would you say? Yes. Um, and I don't say that only because of what Paul says. You know, Paul warns us, you know, don't be unequally yoked, um, you know, because it's a, it's a light and darkness factor. But I try to show people as well that if you consider Christ as the center of your life, you view God you view your life as though it revolves around God, then it allows that if you're in a relationship with someone at times get rocky, you guys have a strong enough foundation. But unfortunately, what a lot of people do is they date somebody because of um, just because of compatibility or just because of how attractive they are. Then now when temptation arises, when frustrations arise, all the different storms you'll experience in life, they don't have something secure enough to keep, to keep them. You know, And unfortunately, a lot of people have turned away from their walk with God because they met someone that was attractive. Right. And it's like right. now you've lost your spiritual stability, you've lost your foundation. And unfortunately, that leads to you losing your identity because you should know who we are in Christ rather than the things of this world. So I always try to tell people you should focus on finding somebody that you don't have to like drag them to church. You don't have to force them to pray. It's not it's not pulling teeth because you guys are reading the word, but it's actually them encouraging you. You're encouraging them because looks aren't going to raise your children. You know, you want to be able to make sure that you guys are on the same page that you, your child can be able to grow up in a godly home as well, because it's not just you doing it, but it's both parents, you know, feeding in. Right. Did either one of you um, date non-believers when you were young? I actually tried that. Did you? I did as well. As much as I grew up in the church from the day I was born, I had a state of wanting to be a rebel, I guess, you know, <laughs> everyone looked at me as most, the most quiet, most innocent person. And I just, I just, you know, I just had enough at one point and I wanted to see what else was out there. And I dated someone, I guess you can call it, we, we never really went on dates, but I mean, he, he went to my school. So I saw him at school and we said we dated. And, uh, you know, I, I just quickly realized that this isn't the will for God for my life. We just have mm-hmm. different beliefs, which made it really, really hard Um, And I knew that not only were my parents not pleased or they wouldn't be pleased, but I knew God wasn't pleased with me Um, because the relationship was be it was unequally yoked. So I felt as though I I wasn't getting closer to God. If anything, I was being pulled away from God because of it. So you could feel that you could feel that in the relationship early Mm -hmm. on. Okay, I wasn't reading as much. I wasn't praying as much. And it was just it was just starting to tank. So if you're a parent or you're a teenager out there and you're tr- in a, you're trying to coach your kids on dating or you're a teenager getting ready to date, what do you say to those kids beforehand? Because I think it's hard for kids because <clears throat> Christian kids, non-Christian kids, there's a culture out there that says, you know, dating isn't that important. Just, you know, hook up or be friends or, you know, date for a few months or whatever. Mm-hmm. So 
what do you say to teenagers and how would you encourage parents to coach their kids when it comes to dating? I say parents um, need to do a focus in on like reaffirming their child's identity, um, telling their child who God has called them to be, reminding them that they're special, reminding them they're attractive. Um, you're beautiful. Um, you know, telling that to their daughter, son, you're a handsome man, you're a wise man, whatever, because I believe that when we don't hear that from home, we're searching for it somewhere. And unfortunately, many of many of um, the children growing up, they don't feel as though they have they maybe have a strong community at home, but they know they get it from their friends at school. And I remember growing up and I knew, you know, I shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. But I remember all the times getting, you know, the peer pressure from my friends all the time. They're calling me names, girls, they're throwing themselves at me. And I'm just like, well, I'm not interested, you know, and now they're making fun of me. And now I'm thinking in my head, well, what it takes to be a real man, what it takes to be accepted is that I need to go talk to all these girls, that I should be in bed with these girls. But unfortunately, and, it, and I had golly parents and they were involved, but it was the fact that I wasn't listening to them. You know, so I think parents have to focus in on making sure your child knows who they are and they're not trying to get that affirmation from somewhere else because the enemy is always trying to send somebody to, to steer you along the wrong path. And unfortunately that happens very often with kids. And when I tell, when I speak to the younger generation, I'm not a fan of, you know, young, younger children dating, but what I try to get them to do is focus in on how they can mature because it's not about a matter of age, it's a matter of maturity, you know, and I always try to encourage them. If you're going to approach dating, you should only approach it with a mentality that if I date this woman, this is a woman I can probably marry. If I date this guy, this is a guy that I would potentially marry. So you never date them and you feel as though you have to hide them from your parents, hide them from pastor, hide. No, if it's somebody that you think is honorable and tech, you know, they have integrity, they're smart, they're doing the things that you would desire in a spouse, then that shows that you're looking at it from a mature perspective. So I try to teach teens that you want to make sure that I'm not going to waste my time dating if I don't see myself married to you. And I'm not going to even bother wasting my time if I see you're trying to get something from me that I should have been reserving for my marriage anyways. You know, so it's a matter of using wisdom and, you know, reaffirming kids, because I feel as though we all want to be accepted. And even though we may know who we are in Christ, if we're not hearing it at home or we're not constantly reminding kids, they're constantly being told by social media, their friends, peer pressure, what they should do and how they should be living. Right. Yeah. Tremendous amount of pressure out there on social media, too. And even if it's not overtly said, you know, when you see pictures of all your friends looking hot and sexy and doing this, you know, kids want to fit in. And one of the things that I found, I'd be interested to hear your take as well, is that, you know, junior high and or high school girls who don't have a lot of, you know, father love or they are desperate for male attention, desperate. So they'll do anything to get a guy to like them, particularly the quote unquote cool guy. And then they give themselves to this guy and then the guy goes, okay, we're done. And it's devastating. So talk about what a father needs to do to help his daughter before that dating time. What, What can he do other than affirming her identity in Christ? What are some real practical things that he can do to help her stay out of bad situations? Um, I, I just think he needs to spend time with her. Yeah, that's important. You know, not just come home, bring home the groceries and go back to work, um, but actually have a relationship with her. See what you know, what are her likes and dislikes, you know, 
you know, go out, um, you know, maybe do something fun or uh, interactive with her. Just let her know that you are there because if she doesn't feel like she has the attention from her father, who is probably the most important man in her life, she's going to find it from somewhere else. Right. And so just spending that time with her and letting her know that you love her, you know, showing her though, giving her the affirmation that she, she desires, let her know she's beautiful. You know, just even though she's your daughter, let her know, tell her, you know, just in, encourage her that and, and let her know not only who she is in Christ, but just that she's a, a beautiful person and she deserves to be loved the right way and treated the right way by people and and all of that. So just having that relationship with her and um, being there, being present. Yeah, I think the father has the duty of setting the bar high, because if if I see that, you know, I'm taking care of my daughter and I'm the one buying her flowers all the time. I'm buying her chocolate. I'm telling her every single day. She's she's telling me, Dad, stop calling me pretty. If she's doing, that means that when some random guy says that, she's not just head over heels. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of us guys, we're not as affectionate. So we don't realize that they need to hear it because in our mind, they know we love them. You know, unfortunately, I think that's where a lot of fathers go wrong because if my daughter never heard it from me and she hears it from another guy, well, clearly this is the part of me that I've been missing. You know, and I like Safa has been saying, you know, being present because- Unfortunately, a lot of guys are being told that we're the providers of the home. And I'm not I'm not debating that. We're, we're always told from the moment we're young till we get older, you need to be the provider. You need to be the breadwinner. You need to make more money than the wife. You need to do all these things. But I think we forget the aspect that men need to provide. We need to provide an emotional stability to our children. We need to provide that in our marriage. And if my child never sees me loving their mom, respecting their mom, never sees me giving them that emotional stability they need, They'll get it somewhere else, right. you know, but if that daughter ever sees, well, he loves me and respects me like nothing else in the world. He loves mom and respects mom like nothing else in the world. Then now I'm just waiting until another guy does it, you know, so and that, that even works with younger boys. A lot of boys don't know how to treat women because they don't see how their dad doing it in a respectful way. So I believe a father's impact on a child is something that no one can replace, you know, so it takes it takes a good dad to, you know, try to stay involved. And it's not that you'll be perfect. It's not that they won't get annoyed with you, but it's the fact that you want them to know that you don't have to go chase for affirmation somewhere right. else. You're going to get it at home. Right. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> you know, we think just alike. And, you know, hearing it come from a young man is beautiful because dads don't get it. They don't understand how desperately their daughters need love and affection and affirmation um, from them. Now, when do you, and I know you said there's no age limit. Do you recommend kids dating in high school? I'm opposed to it, but if you're nearing graduation, I'm not against it because that shows that, okay, well, I'll be out of high school soon. You're starting to think smarter. I think during your teenage years, you're doing more than discovering yourself. I think your brain is still developing. Yeah. You're not really sure what career you want to be. And yeah, you may love this girl, but love alone is not going to 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 show you how to lead her, not going to pay any of the bills. Love alone is not giving you spiritual stability. So I'm not opposed to it that against the, you know, it'll never work. But I think that, you know, with some juniors and seniors, depending on their level of maturity, you can tell you're going at it with the right perspective. So I know that if you do date, I'm not worried about, when you uh, constantly make mistakes, are you going to be the wrong person? So it's a matter of making sure that they know who they are and they, they know where they're headed if they're really trying to do that during high school years. I love it. I mean, one of the things, and I'd love to hear your take on this, maybe I'm wrong, but, and it sounds a little old fashioned, but I always tell my patients and I told my kids this as well. I think that dating during high school 
really is a waste of time. And I think that that's a, t that's a time when they should be focusing on themselves right. and what they like and development. And even in college, I said, you know, focus on being friends first, yeah. because that's when you really get to know somebody. You're going to see the good, the bad and the ugly, but you start off dating and um, it's, you know, not necessarily that healthy. So let's pretend you are a 21 year old woman and you're in college or you're out working, whatever, and you're thinking of finding the right guy. Should you make a list in your head of things that are not negotiable, like I, he has to have this and this and this, or, or do they just figure it out as they go? So I think that they should definitely have, you know, you said you're 21, 21, around 21, you're in college trying to figure it out. Um, I, I say, you know, it's wise to still kind of have a list because then you'll kind of settle for anything. If you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And my parents have always told me that. I think that's very important. Know what your standards are. Know what you stand for. Um, because if you don't know, someone will someone will come out, out there will come and show you. They'll show you and you'll just run with, right. with whatever it is. So I think that's important, you know, as a young lady or a young man to, to have those, have a, a list. Now, I'm not saying that your list should be like, you know, there it's non-negotiable as far as like everything on that list. Because I think sometimes we make these lists and a lot of those things on there are not like, you know, they're not sound. They, they can be really simple things like, oh, if he doesn't have a beard, I can't, I can't date him. Or, you know, he, some of them are, you know, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't right. make any sense, but, you know, just to be practical and um, wise in, in, you know, who you want to pursue or who you want to be pursued by. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I was going to say you should have two lists. The non-negotiable list should not be adjusted. Right. You should be focused on their faith, their character. You should see all of those things that should just not be adjusted. And the second thing you can adjust is the preference list. Okay, like Shaba said, you know, I desire a guy with a beard. All right, well, if they don't have a beard, it doesn't make him not a good man. It doesn't right. make him not a good leader. If she's not um, this type of curly hair or whatever, that doesn't mean she won't make a great wife or a great mom. You know, so the preference list can be adjusted. You don't need you know, to tell God they have to look this way or I just refuse to accept them. <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. To me, that can be an adjustment. But, you know, when it comes to the things that truly matter to you, the way they treat people, the way they treat you, the way, you know, they carry themselves, the way they handle, you know, you know, frustrating situations, all those things should be non-negotiable. Non if you are worried that, well, if I make my spouse mad, they're going to throw something at me, they're going to hit me, then that's just non-negotiable. That's an anger problem that needs to be fixed. Right. That's not something you try to go into the relationship trying to adjust. So if you're, especially at that age, you know what I mean? Like you said, even in college, you're still discovering yourself. So you don't have to rush that process. And a lot of people, they don't know what it means to be friends anymore. You want to make sure that when you get married, you actually like your spouse. You want to make sure that you guys have a connection outside of just dating, you know? So it needs to be more than that. Right. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Tavares and Safa. We need to take a quick break, but do not go anywhere. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Parenting Great Kids. My guests are Tavares and Safa Gray. So once you start dating and you had talked about boundaries, let's talk about some of the boundaries that people need to set during dating. I'll say one, and maybe because I'm a guy, but... I think a lot of relationships, they go sideways because of how how fast people try to get physical. And it's not just holding hands, hugging, kissing, but it's the fact that 
you guys just started dating and and obviously I'm coming from a Christian perspective. So a lot of people may already disagree, but it's the fact that people feel the need to rush into sex. And it's like, if you only understood that sex will cloud your judgment, mm -hmm. that you will fall in love with somebody who's no good for you. You'll, you'll think that the relationship is great when in reality, no, the sex is great. They are not treating you right. They don't help you in any way, shape or form. They're not serving you. They're getting their desires met. You know, so one, the number one thing I'll say when it comes to boundaries is make sure you're learning that person mentally, emotionally, seeing where they are spiritually, seeing how they carry themselves rather than, okay, well, she has a nice body. Okay, well, he's handsome. I, I want to get pictures and I want to go, let's go, um, you know, one-on-one, -on -one, let's go hang out, you know, nobody's home. Like avoid those situations because you truly know a person when you know you guys are exercising boundaries and it's like i know that you respect me if you respect my walk with god and i know that you respect me also if you know you know i'm having a moment of weakness and you're telling me like it's okay well let's just focus on whatever it is you're not trying to take advantage you know of that emotional weakness or whatever that you know that insecurity may be so i think the number one boundary is being willing to place guardrails in place that you're not rushing towards sex because you can rush towards sex and this relationship never goes towards marriage or it never flourishes into anything more. So the number one thing is to try to keep sex for the wedding day, keep sex for later on. Do not rush into that. Right. And I think another one, especially at that age, you, you have so many other friends around you. A boundary is don't forget about your other friends. A lot of uh, young people especially get so caught up in, in, in each other. Cause you want to spend all your time with this person and then you kind of just let your other friends go by the wayside. And that's, that's not healthy either mm -hmm. because then that person becomes your everything. They become your one friend and that can, you know, cause an issue in the relationship and you're putting everything into one basket. That's, that's how I feel. And then God forbid this relationship goes to a tank or it doesn't mm -hmm. work out. You have nobody and you're left feeling alone. And of course, you know, your friends aren't, your friends are not there. So I, I just think, it, there's a healthy balance. There's definitely a healthy balance and, and uh, keep your, your other friends. You guys should both have lives outside of each other. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times young people, and I think this can be a, a red flag, will want to keep the person they're dating away from their friends because they want that person with them only, or they get jealous of friendships. So is that a, a red flag that parents should watch for in their kids or that the person dating should watch for? hundred percent. I think both people should watch for it, uh, parents, because your, your child could be making an idol out of this relationship. Right. Now they're forming their identity in this person. And that's a dangerous thing. And I also think the person you're dating should be careful of that because I think that's a, like a form of codependency. Like they don't really know how to thrive outside of a relationship. Now they're feeling as though I need a relationship, you don't even know if they really like you. They may just love the idea of love. You know what I mean? They just love the idea of connecting to someone. There's a lot of, of those things that we see happening very often, whereas the person never healed from their past, but because I'm now single, I need a new relationship. Those are huge red flags mm -hmm. because you've never healed. You don't know what it is that you desire. You just know you don't want to be alone. Right. You know, So it's definitely something that that's a huge red flag for people to watch out for. Mm -hmm. You guys have a fabulous book coming up, Godly Dating 101, Discover the Truth About Relationships in a World That Constantly Lies. So juxtapose truth versus lies for me, if you would. We've sort of talked around that, but I would love to sort of tease it a little bit so people can know what you have ahead. 
Oh yeah, we're excited about this book. Yes, really are. excited. <laughs> um, growing up in in a church, you know, we always knew, you know, what God's truth was, right? But we were never told how to go about doing it. We were just told no sex, um, save it for marriage. Just told don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, unfortunately, a lot of things became about rules. And then now, a lot of times, what happens is because all we heard were the rules. Now we're, you know, our curious minds are so interested in the things, the forbidden fruit, right? you know? And then unfortunately culture tells us, oh, go ahead. It's, it's no big deal. It's fine. Everyone is doing this. Everyone is watching this. Everyone is playing with this. And, and our curious minds started believing everything culture said, mm-hmm. you know? So I think the, the, the main way to explain the book is that we want to target everything culture has been trying to shape our minds with. And show them that God has not been as silent on these things. A lot of people are like, well, what does the Bible say about this? It doesn't say anything. I, you know, but it's like, well, God is not silent on a lot of these matters. And I believe that if we ever followed his principles, we want to be experiencing all of the headache and, you know, the sin that we've been seeing. You know, a lot of people say, well, God doesn't want me to have sex before marriage because he doesn't want me to have fun. But if we think about um, the prison rates, a lot of those children didn't have fathers. Yeah which means there are people having sex with somebody who never committed to the mom. Or we see, we look at children who get, unfortunately, aborted every single day. That means there were two people having sex that they weren't really sure about commitment. They weren't ready for certain predicaments. And it's not people that have health issues, but it's the fact that a lot of people, a lot of times we place our, our desire for pleasure above the right thing right. or doing things the right way. You know, so it's our goal that people will realize that God's way is actually more rewarding. And it's not, we're not going to experience all of this frustration we've been going through. And people are feeling as though, well, are there any good men left? Are there any good women left? And it's like, they are. But the problem is a lot of times we're following culture. We're not following what God really desires. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's our goal to push people back to what God is saying, because we'll have stronger churches, stronger families, stronger communities. If we're not focused on the lust of my flesh and right. just Absolutely. getting sex and rushing all these relationships, because Absolutely. one bad relationship can ruin an entire world because that it ruins a family. That family grows up broken. So many people grow with so much brokenness because of, you know, devastating times like divorce and things like that. And I believe that a healed home, a healed individual can create a stronger community, can make a stronger impact in our world. So it's just really our goal that we can strengthen the mind of people to make them realize, don't focus so much on the the culture of this world and the peer pressure of this world, but realize that God actually has better plans for you. Yeah, I love it. I love it because, you know, a lot of people think, younger people will think, well, God doesn't like dating. God wants you just to find that one perfect person and then you get married and then you have sex and then life is good. But but there's always this negative feeling that a lot of kids have told me they get when they hear somebody who's a Christian talk about, you know, dating and marriage. And they hear all the negative. Sex yeah. is bad, stay away from it. This isn't good. You shouldn't this, you shouldn't this, you shouldn't this. But church should tell us what to do and right. what God loves. Why don't they do that? I, I really wish I could yeah. I could give you a straight answer. <laughs> I kind no, of push I, up and you're not pastors, I know, push up against a corner, but it's always been a frustration for me. Yeah, I, I think a part of it is fear. Um, you know, the generations before us, they didn't question things. Um, when they were told not to have sex, they just didn't have sex. They were, you know, no meant yeah. no. Um, you're not going to question that. You're just going to do what I say type of generation. Now, we, we grew up in a different time. 
Um, and so the young people today, they're not, they're not going to go with that. You know, but it's why? always why, 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 why else they're going to touch the fruit. And so they, they want to know. And I just think it was just a fear, a fear built around it that if you do open up about, you know, sex, if you do talk about it and, and uh, have these conversations that maybe uh, the youth will want to have more sex. Maybe I don't, I don't know what the fear is around it, but maybe, you know, it, it's going to open up a, a area where, they they will want to do these things. I think it's just been too much shame in the church where people aren't honest with where they made a mistake. And my fear is that if I tell people, well, I had sex outside of marriage, um, but you shouldn't. Now they're looking at me like, ah, oh, you're a hypocrite. You are doing it. And look at you. God is still using you. And we're so yeah. worried about the fear of what the backlash or people criticizing us of our past. But we have to realize that we all need grace, which means none of us are perfect. You know, so it's a matter of we need to be more willing to be vocal. We need to be willing to be more honest and be more transparent because that is the reason why people don't trust the church anymore. Because if you've made me feel as though I'm dirty for desiring something that you've entertained, now I can't listen to you because I don't feel like we relate. So if I can show you that this is the reason why God says not to, and we're not just saying don't do this, but we're teaching principles. We're not just saying thou shalt, thou shalt not. No, but if we show them the principle, well, if you avoid it, it's not that God is keeping you from fun, but he's keeping you from um, rushing into so many different avenues that you didn't See, realize that that, that door was going to open up a whole lot more. And if we just teach people, well, sex wasn't dirty. Sex is beautiful. But this is how the enemy tries to pervert it. Now they've realized, oh, that makes more sense. But unfortunately, people have been so silent and all they wanted to say was don't do it. So now when I go to school and everybody's doing it, I want to do it next. Right. And so that's really why it's our goal to show us that, listen, the church may have been silent for many years, but God has never been silent on this. And it's our goal for us to realize these things are not bad. Sex will never be bad because God created it. But here's the reason why we should protect it and keep it in the confines of marriage. Here's the reason why we should have those boundaries. Here's the reason why we exercise forgiveness and all these things. Instead of just saying, do this, don't do this. Now we realize, oh, this was really God's heart behind Mm -hmm. it. That's why we need you guys so much. You are fabulous. So I think you made a great point there. And that is a lot of times parents don't want to talk to their, or adults don't want to talk to kids about sex because they're afraid if they bring it up, A, the kids are going to ask what they did and, yeah. and they're embarrassed. And B, they're afraid if they approach the subject, kids are going to do it. And that's not mm-hmm. true. How, yeah. do young, how do young people respond to the both of you? You're young very articulate, well-spoken, grounded in your beliefs. How do young people receive you when you tell them what you've been telling us? Do they go, oh, you guys are crazy? How do they respond? Typically, some pe- some of the young people are looking like, oh, I don't want to hear it, you're already married, and they probably think I'm 50 when I bring up the subject. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> this is what I just, yeah. I'm telling yeah. you why. This is what I've experienced, you know, and I'm, and, Especially like where where we where we serve we we serve at um, you know mentorship groups at church and we'll try to tell them and well I don't know how exactly it goes with the ladies but I'll tell the guys and one time I spoke for the um, the ladies group and I'm like hey I've done this and this is what it led to I've been here and this is the reason why we're telling you to avoid that corner and a lot of them are looking at it like so why didn't they just say that before you know what I mean because yeah, yeah. they've never heard it that way because it to them you're just making it seem like uh, sex is bad. Sex is not going to just flip a switch the day you get married and all of a sudden it's amazing, you know? So it's being willing to let them know, like, 
listen, I'm not sure what you guys have heard in the past, but this is a great thing that God created, mm -hmm. but this is why we protect it. And you want them to understand that if you put a, a, a lock on your cell phone, you put a lock on your computer, a lock around your house, gated communities, then you should be willing to guard your heart the same way. God wants you to guard your heart. It's not a matter of God preventing you from having fun. He's preventing you from harming yourself. So when you show them that it's a beautiful thing that just needs to be protected, that's when they realize, and obviously you're young, you still desire certain right. things, but it, it gives them more of a better understanding to realize, oh, okay, well, if you are able to, you know, save yourself, I can save myself. If you are, if you understand that and you understand how I can harm myself, then I'll listen to you. And I think that's what young people honestly need from that's you. That's what they need for mm -hmm. sure. We only have a couple minutes left. You talk about forgiveness and why it's so important. Why is forgiveness important and who should forgive whom? I mean, are you talking about parents? Are you talking about kids? Are you talking about married couples? I think we should just all forgive whoever it is in, that, that we ha we're having held up in our heart for whatever it was that we feel that they have done to us, regardless of whether it's a parent or, you know, a significant other, because forgiveness is important because God says it is. And if we want a heart like God, a heart that forgives is what we should aim to to, to have as well. And if, if we want people, if we want God to forgive us, then we definitely have to forgive other people. So forgiveness in, in general is just important because it's, it's a heart of God. It's how God wants us to live. I say it's very important because I think sometimes we get selective with it. We forgive those who we want to forgive, but it's the fact that a person who doesn't forgive, I think your heart can easily become cold and calloused and it's impossible for me to give love properly. From a, from a broken heart. It's, it's, it's impossible for me to receive love properly if I'm always cynical, I'm always skeptical, I'm always you know dealing with insecurities. Right. So forgiveness, it really releases you. Like it allows you to, to see from, you know, gives you the ability to trust again. It gives you the ability to, to learn that, okay, well, all people are not the same. And even those who have harmed me, they can change, they can grow. And I think all forgiveness does is reminds us that if God can forgive me, well, I'm sure I, can I forgive others, you know, right. over things that are probably way more minuscule. I'm sure I can forgive others, you know. So I think forgiveness is something that is very difficult, but is liberating. It allows you to to have a peace of mind, whereas you're no longer upset over what they did and what they said. But it allows you to have peace no matter whatever it was that you've gone through. Mm -hmm. My guests are Tavares and Safa Gray, and they have a fabulous podcast that you need to listen to godly dating 101 and in september of 22 they have a brand new book coming out godly dating 101 discover the truth about relationships in a world that constantly lies you guys are like a breath of fresh air it, your, your message is so counterculture it's so freeing it's so wonderful and i'm so grateful you're doing the work that you do it every single parent who's listening to us needs to read your book and listen to your podcast because what you are saying is true. So thank you both for joining me on my podcast today. Thank you for having yes, us. We definitely you. appreciate this opportunity. Yes, it's our pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Tavares and Safa and that you learned some things about dating and how to help your son or daughter enter the dating scene. Let's go over my points to ponder. One, help your teen make a list of non-negotiables about their boyfriend or girlfriend. Before your son or daughter dates, ask him if there are four or five 
character traits that they'll look for in a person they want to date. Don't tell them what those traits should be. Let them speak and then guide them through the discussion. Having a list of four to five non-negotiable character qualities will help your son or daughter choose the right kind of person to date. Two, help your teen to choose and set boundaries. Ask your teen, what will those boundaries in dating be for you? Tell them to be specific. Ask them why they should have these boundaries. Then ask them what they would do if they felt themselves or their date crossing the boundaries. What would they do? What would they say? If their date crossed the boundaries, how would that happen? Working scenarios through with your teen will help her be successful when difficulties arise. Three, establish ground rules for dating. Agree on an age when you feel it's right for your teen to begin dating. Strongly encourage friendships with your kid. But if your teen really wants to date, set some ground rules. Make sure you meet the date. Set a curfew for when your teen should be home and make sure you know where your son or daughter plus their date will be. Make sure to talk through issues around dating with your teen and help them find a way to avoid high-risk dating behaviors like drinking or having sex. Believe it or not, your teen will listen to you. I want to thank my guest, Tavares and Safa Gray, today for joining me on the show. You can find out more about them when you go to godlydating101.com. There you can listen to their podcast and read their latest blogs. Also, be sure to get a copy of their brand new book, Godly Dating 101, discovering the truth about relationships in a world that constantly lies, wherever books are sold. And if you want to follow them on social media, go to Godly Dating 101 in your internet browser. Now let's recap my three points to ponder. One, help your teen make a list of non-negotiables about their boyfriend or girlfriend. Two, help your teen choose and set boundaries, and three, establish ground rules for dating. And remember, friends, if you need encouragement, go to meekerparenting.com. And remember, check out our brand new movie, which is getting rave reviews. Strong fathers, strong daughters. Just go to pureflix.com. And remember, parents, until next time, great kids are raised, not born. <laughs>